What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Hollywood Already Did It, your weekly movie podcast for reboots, remakes, sequels, adaptations, and anything that has been done before and will inevitably be done again. As always, I am your host, Blake Schultz, and with me today is Zane Guzelderly. Hi, Blake. Thanks for having me. Oh, yes. It's a, a long trek as we self-isolate in the middle of this coronavirus. It's an interesting time for the theaters, isn't it? Well, that's, I think, kind of the first thing I want to address. We're recording during, oh, I, I guess would be day two of our own, like, staying put, having everything we need, it's nothing too crazy. It's three days since uh, the United States declared a national state of emergency. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we're here. We did not see Bloodshot or The Hunt, so we're going to be talking. Really wanted to. Really wanted to. Had tickets to see both and then just decided it would be best if we waited best just Best for hair. us, best for anybody else. Um, and as such, I thought we'll talk a little bit, I guess, about the state of the industry before we get into Spencer Confidential, the Netflix <laughs> adaptation of the apparently long-running and popular book series. Well, you know, with with content like this, people are going to start catching on to some of the shit that's on Netflix the more that they're indoors. But you're right. There's a, there's a lot going on. And as such, you know, for the first time in ever since, since its inception, really, streaming as a whole now has a chance to outpace theatrical releases, VOD releases, and so forth. And I I was kind of wondering just exactly what was going to happen. And so far, we've only seen Disney kind of push up their home releases for Frozen 2 and uh, for Rise of Skywalker. But I kind of wondered what would happen with these current movies. You know, will they, will they live a life in the theater or will it be cut short and we're going to find them available to rent for, for $10? It's an interesting thing to wonder because we are seeing the lowest box office in years two this decades. week. In yeah. two decades. As a result, no of course, right? <laughs> well, one, AMC just straight up was like half of our auditoriums aren't filling. Two, at least in California, it was issued that no groupings of more than 250 people could happen. Uh, obviously, everybody is doing everything they can to self-isolate and quarantine and not infect or see if they're infected or pass anything along it's a very scary time uh so yeah no this is not the fault of any of the movies out oh no and and that's the thing something that you said off mic before we got started was with the majority of the competition in the tent poles now moving to uh, many of them undisclosed date changes moving their schedule completely what does that mean for films like uh you know the hunt and onward and just so many other films that we thought were going to push. It turns out that those studios decided that there wasn't really a chance to re-release it, so they're they're taking their chance and having it out. But we're really not going to get any new content in the theaters for the next month and a half now. Right. So if everything kind of restabilizes and normalizes, are the studios either going to backtrack and re-up the dates they already had? Or are The Hunt and Bloodshot going to be these weird movies that keep making money week over week until the next big tentpole, which I don't even know. I would say that's now Black Widow. Black Widow. I don't think Marvel is going to give up the start of the summer. And right now, recording on March 15th, you know, May seems like a, a possible time for things to start fluctuating back to normal. Right. So... My question, I think my answer to your question in that is, 
I think that the summer of 2020 is locked because none of those have moved yet. Now, of course, if this pandemic grows and becomes worse, which some are saying it will, we could see a lot of those summer dates change. And then I really don't know. But I think as of right now, the summer's locked in. The back half of the year is what's going to start getting a little bit more thicker. Already we're seeing, uh, you know, Kong versus Godzilla now having to go up against uh, No Time to Die. And, and I think that's why a lot of these other studios have pushed but have not given a release date is because right now it just doesn't make sense because you have to pick a fight with another studio to go after their opening weekend. And there's so much coming out that a lot of the, the land is already flagged. That's what's funny, too, is now we're going to get a lot of like turf wars in the box office and people cannibalizing each other. It makes you wonder if there's any chance of a quicker VOD release for Bloodshot or The Hunt or even any right. of these movies that didn't come. Are we going to see like a day and date of The Quiet Place 2 where it is like, and eh, we're going to release in theaters anyways, but to offset that, we're going to charge you the price of a ticket or maybe a premium to see it at home today and experiment with a whole new model of distribution. One that the industry has been putting off for a very long oh, time. Well, nobody and wants so, to do it. Exactly. And now it's there's no greater time than the present and, and things going on and, you know, a, a self-quarantine of at least two weeks extending into more. It's The possibilities are endless for home entertainment. And then Spencer Confidential gets released on Netflix. So right before we do that, I do want to bring up also with all of these changes, we're going to keep recording as best as we can. Once Terrence is actually back from a trip he's on, he'll be back on the show. And rather than just go dark for four weeks, uh, for every movie that was slotted, I think we're going to do a more historical retro review of the movie that started that off. Right. So for instead of A Quiet Place 2, we'll do A Quiet Place and then the animated Mulan and then two Bond episodes, one for Dr. No and one for Daniel Craig's new iteration of the character in Casino Royale. And then probably, I don't know, an MCU speculation episode because people can't seem to get enough of that. <laughs> and and then we'll be at Black Widow. <laughs> Uh, hopefully by then it'll be normalized and hopefully by then everyone will be safe. That also gives us a chance to record if we choose to everything in one big batch and then not see each other for a while and everyone can be as safe as they need to be. It is very serious though. You should be as safe as you can be. Um, in the meantime, we have, we have, we have such films like Spencer Confidential. Did you know this was a character, Spencer Confidential, before this I, I, moment? I kind of knew of the show vaguely. And I knew of it vaguely because I knew of Miami Vice. And Spencer for Hire is a complete ripoff of Miami Vice. Even looking at the timeline, it came out a year after Miami Vice landed and was extremely popular and loved by critics and audiences. And so... I don't even know the rival company uh, that put it out at the time. Uh, ABC actually did in the summer of uh, late summer of 85. Uh, <laughs> they put out Spencer for Hire. And Blake and I actually sat down and watched the pilot episode today for some comparison. Now, I have never read a Spencer novel. Have you? No, I didn't know that this character was a thing. Well, I figured it was like a small literary thing, but then you mentioned 48 novels yeah. since 1970 and I about fell out of my chair. So yeah, this has been going on since, let me pull up the exact date, 1973 from Robert B. Parker, who did pass away in 2010. 
and he pretty much wrote a Spencer novel almost every year, save for one or two gaps in this, from 1973 until the time of his death, with one additional one published the year after in 2011. From then, Ace Atkins picked up the license and the book and continued with two, from 2012 into 2019 with Angel Eyes, a Spencer story. The character himself, when you read a little bit about it, was just a detective with his own code. And one of those characters that almost, when you read it now, sounds like he's ripping off everything else in the world. But yeah. in fact, he was one of the first ones to be here and create a lot of these archetypes. Yeah, it was an, it was an American James Bond in literary form. When yeah. Ian Fleming was really putting out his Bond books. I mean, the timelines, and you could tell, like, it almost seems like Robert B. Parker, who as also, you know, he dabbled in Westerns and a few other things, was definitely reading these types of books as they were coming out and, and wanted to make one on his own. And so I'm, I'm almost interested to pick one up and really understand the character from a novel perspective because it has to be a pretty fucking engaging character for 40 novels. I mean, that's... And, and watching the pilot, I kind of dug who the character was and what they were doing. And then for the movie, it's just Mark Wahlberg. And I, just, I could not. Right. I tried so hard. And it's just, how's your mother for two hours in Boston? Yeah, it, it's all crazy. Because the character himself has so much mystery around him. The biggest one is intentional and in that you never know his actual first name. So there is a sense of... You know, he served in the war, a little like John Hamm, Mad Men type situation where you have a character who's kind of unknown and kind of shady, but he has his own moral code and he has his own set of morals and he knows his own right and wrong. And he only ever stays with one woman because he's loyal to her and he loves her and there's no one else for her. And at the same time, he walks the line like Dirty Harry, where he doesn't care if he's going to punch someone in the nose and break them or threaten them with a gun. Is it five shots yeah. or six? So it's got that kind of like, I don't give a damn about the establishment, but I'm going to work to protect you as the person, which everyone kind of loves in a way. A right. A team-esque thing. Well, then you bring in Hawk in the books, who was his like gun for hire, play by your own rules, big magnum out all the time. So I think that that was also the juxtaposition for the characters to have that, like, we're for the people, and sometimes that means the establishment also, but we're never going to be bad people. It feels like that family guy bit where Stewie's writing a character, he's like, but he, but he loves it, you know. He's, he, he, he's got a heart of gold <laughs> yeah, inside. And, totally. Uh, and that was pretty much it. The other big mystery in the book that a lot of people, I guess, debate whether or not is intentional or not is his maternity. And throughout most of the books, it's, oh, my mother, and she was amazing, and she taught me everything I know, and here's quotes that she would say and pass down. And then in one book, it's revealed that she died in childbirth. And no one knows if that was like a retcon sort of reboot oh, of the character. Like 40 years, What? how are you not dipping into other storylines from the character's past and like, fucking with the continuum right. of it all, you know? It's it, a very just like X-Men thing where one day it's like, no, no, don't worry about it. Uh, now Wolverine heals and it's fine. Uh, Colossus now is Magic Sister. That's always been the case and we won't ask any questions. Um, so many questions. <laughs> don't worry about <laughs> it. Um, so they never resolved that. They also made a young Spencer novel, which I guess didn't work out and also was like, we're going to change a lot of this character's past, but... 
TV movies. Yes, starring uh, Joe Montaigne was apparently uh, Spencer in the Spencer TV movies before the series had come out. So, and and I'm like looking at that now because I'm I'm like playing catch up here. Like I really. I'm always so fascinated when I find a character in pop culture that's been around as long as the characters I love, but has just kind of quietly been there the entire well, time. Why? Did, why? Why this movie? What was it that did it? And you know what it was? It was a crooked cop story set in Boston. And right. That's, that's it. That's You can tell me anything you want. When they got in there, I think because this has been around for so long, they felt, well, we have to shake this up. But it's like they they shook it way too much to the point where it doesn't really resemble any of the other Spencer properties I'm looking at. Even down to Hawk, who's now been made into a, a I want to be the greatest UFC fighter the of LeBron all The LeBron James of MMA and give back to the community and do what LeBron did for basketball but for MMA. And it, it just doesn't... Like, it doesn't really work for me because Spencer and Hawk, at least in the television show, are, like, two halves to a whole. And, like, they, they you know, it's it's a partnership. And it, they both kind of have their own bounds of, like, what they're willing to do in a case and what they won't and, like, where their line is. But they know that there's a line. And this one is, like, a mentor-mentee relationship because Alan Alda – could you imagine if it was Alan Alda? Right. Alan Arkin, excuse me, who plays – uh, his mentor, uh, Mark Wahlberg's, he's the one that's like, I need you to help him, help him fight, teach him how to do this, that, you know, you're, you're Spencer, you have to do these things. Like, it's kind of like they're talking about this character referencing his past and everything that's been done. But again, because the, of the way that Mark Wahlberg is playing him, I don't, I don't buy any of it. Well, there's very little context for the boxing subplot in this movie because it kicks off five years in the past well, in we 2015. Start him, right, we start with him beating his, his captain. captain. That's right. And he goes to prison, and then very quickly in prison, Post Malone tells him to get the least intimidating person you could have found to go up against Mark Wahlberg. You put up in the very beginning Which of the movie. His face is all over the thumbnails for this movie, all over the advertising. And if you're listening to this and thinking, you know what, I'm going to watch this for Post Malone. He is in the movie all but five minutes. Yeah. Spread up a little bit in the beginning and a little bit near the end. And he is not really in the film. And then he's gone. <laughs> and he shows up to be like, don't come back to Boston. So we kick off right away with one of the most generic by the numbers cop setups like all the way it's so gen i always know that a movie plot point is like pretty overdone when i was first exposed to it by daffy duck if sure. my first reference of it is like the looney tunes being like and don't you stay out of here bugs i'm like oh this was done enough times that we boiled it down to a kid's show and used it to make fun of it starting here um then we meet this character and it's as if they assume we know spencer would have this like rocky story a hundred percent and they and it's it started like we're making this movie for the fans this is the spencer film to end all spencer films we're gonna acknowledge the life that he's led before as a cop and now he's in jail which i'm not for sure i mean it's based on one of parker's novels called um what was it, wonderland wonderland and I, again, I think like that story is probably a lot more closer to like what they ended up doing. But I know for a fact that Hawks wasn't an MMA fighter in that. 
And and I know that like what that story was was not what they ended up doing, which is labeled as a comedy. By the way, I want to address that. If if you kept saying that while we were watching it, and I kept being like, <laughs> I think Zane just believes that this movie should be a comedy because there's nothing comedic happening. But you get the tone and sense in like the marketing and like the posters and even like. It's well, Mark then I Wahlberg looked at acting in a Mark Wahlberg Will Ferrell movie without Will Ferrell to be there to be funny. Well, and then I looked it up, and like Wikipedia, Netflix, Rotten Tomatoes is like the new action comedy, and I was like, man, somebody really believes that this is funny. Oh boy, and it was a whole lot of dull, flat action and almost no comedy whatsoever. The worst musical cues that were made to be like, and these are a Talladega Nights fight scene. These are songs you know and love. These are like. You've got Sweet Caroline. You've got just this this whole like rockabilly '80s these these pop giant it's, songs. It's the awesome mix from Guardians of the Galaxy. If Peter Berg got it's, his hands yes, on it, it's the discarded mix that like even James Gunn was like, these songs are just so overused. There's no point in using them now. And, and Berg's like, and Peter Berg had been playing rock band and Guitar Hero and was like, there are no other songs. I mean, I didn't see Mile Twenty Two. Um, you did in a way. See, exactly. That's, that's how I felt when I was watching that trailer. I felt I was watching this amalgamation of all of those movies that was going to try to be this new movie. And then, of course, when it did inevitably come out and I read the reviews, they're like, it's just copy and paste the last 10 years. It makes no. And, and I like this is exactly what this movie was, too. They took the cop drama format and they looked at all of the movies. We give him, oh, he's got the, the bitchy, wisecracking, you know, Boston ex-girlfriend Hawk is Winston Duke is great in this movie. All of the actors are doing fine. Yeah, I mean Wahlberg being, I think, the squeaky wheel on the on the shopping cart. Yeah, but well, he's just being Wahlberg now. Yeah, and I don't. I'm not one of those people that are like, oh fuck Mark Wahlberg, because I'll watch him in things. I think he can be good and funny when there's a funny person in the room helping him, like a Seth MacFarlane or a Will Ferrell. Him alone. He doesn't know to really improv the punchline or do anything really funny. And it, it's not written in the script either. So they're like, yeah, this is going to be fun. We're going to have a lot of fun. And it's, it, you're not even having that. Yeah, no, that's very accurate. But these, I feel bad for all of the actors because Winston Duke, Liza Schlesinger, Mark Wahlberg, they're all good at what they do. I've liked them in everything else I've seen them in. And here, like Eliza is just playing this paper thin incredibly generic white blonde girl from Boston who's just everything. Well, I'm a, I'm a self-made woman and I have a very successful business. And if how, how dare you come in here? I'm going to push you back. I'm going to stand up to all the men in the boxing club and it's going to show that I'm powerful. And it's like, yeah. And it's, it and just it just comes across as cheap and non-genuine. Just, Oh, it's not her fault. It's, it's this dialogue of like, don't fuck with me. Like it, I am, I am not to be fucked with. And it's just like, and then like you go and have sex with him. She keeps saying one thing and then doing something else, and it's not a character flaw. It's just, like, again, bad writing. And even, like, all of her comedic moments are still shot like this departed knockoff. We, even when we go to her apartment and we see her business with all these dogs, and they're like, what is this, a kennel? And she's like, well, it's my home, and it's also my business, and I'm very good at it. And you're like, this should be very funny. Right, but they think, this is a, they think by putting enough dogs in the room that it's just – and hilarity ensues – we don't have to write anymore. The dogs will shit yeah. everywhere and it'll be hilarious. And it's not shot to be funny. It it, it It's almost shot to be sad. Like, it, it's almost shot to be like, and look how rough it is. Yeah, it's flat. It's all very flat. 
It's very, very flat. They, and, I mean, they, they have Alan Arkin showing up. And and they have, like, Mark Maron showing up. Well, just, they've to, got, just to show up to be in the movie. They've got all the people who have Netflix deals. Yes. Liza stand-up. They stand were all just up. a phone call away, yeah. right? Yeah, Alan Arkin in The Kaminsky Method, Mark Maron in now Glow. Now they got Winston Duke. Once they get you, they've always got you. It's like you don't you. get to leave. It's like they're all self-isolating at a Netflix stage room during this virus and just had a generic Boston script from 1993 lying around. And like, and, and here's here's where I get really like, why the fuck is this movie getting made? Why? Because it's easy. It's on Netflix. They want it. They've got the people. It's a tax write-off for most things. They got a weekend back in Boston. I get it. But when you look at what Peter Berg has done as a director, and in the last decade, decade and a half, with Lone Survivor, Deepwater Horizon, Patriot's Day, he can make really good, compelling movies. And he can make Mark Wahlberg compelling. He's been in every one of those. Yeah. So the guys like each other. They go have a fun weekend. Just don't bring the camera with you. Just go have a fun weekend somewhere because we really we don't want to watch. This really it. is the Mark Wahlberg version of Adam Sandler being like, I made a comedy with my friends. Except Mark Wahlberg makes crooked cop movies in Boston with and, his friends. And, like, here's the thing: screenwriters in LA they were reading Wonderland. Like, that's one of the newer ones you said. Yeah, right? 2013 or okay. 14. Still, I mean, like, that's six years ago. People were reading that when it came out. They've been reading Spencer for a long time. It's been picked apart. Four, at least four television movies, an entire like run on the show, and and now this, which is like, why even try to bring the Spencer character into this? Because there was really nothing in here that screamed originality clinging to that franchise. And there's not even anything like 2020 about it. There's no, none of these characters have any agency to what they're doing. There's no urgency to get anything done. He just sort of seems to solve this murder case because he's bored and they were his friends. He goes to jail in 2015 for five years. And when he comes out, he like runs into this kid and he's like, I can't give it to you. It's in the cloud. And he's like, what's the cloud? Get the cloud! Get your cloud! And I was like, he doesn't know what a cloud was? Like, that was a thing in 2015. And like, then it cuts to him and Winston Duke, and he's like, well, you've got my computer. He's like, I don't know how to turn on this computer. Yeah. I don't know. And I'm like, 2015 was, it's not like Captain America's being unthought. And then they just drop that bit. They really <laughs> got into the best intentions with being like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do Stosky and Hutch in Boston. That's what we're going to do. There's a Spencer pro the property we can get at Netflix, and we'll just do whatever the fuck we want with it. But, but think about it, you know? It'll be like Stosky and Hutch. We have all the music drops. It's everything. Everything that needs to be checked off, the box is checked off. And then what are we left with? We're just left with the box. We're left with nothing. And yeah, just, just unoriginal moments and beats that are just stale. This is what would be on the too. shelf if scripts were like toilet paper right now. It would be the last thing you would want to buy at your local Ralph's in this time of crisis. But... It really, because it, I just keep wondering, we talked about this a little bit where I said it's almost like they took Spencer from the TV show and put him in jail in 1983 and now he's out. And we both immediately were like, well, that's the comedy. That's that's what they should have done. And it didn't need to be Mark Wahlberg. It could have been some older fading star that's like trying to be Spencer in 2020 
It could have been Alan Arkin. And look, that's not the most original idea either. They just tried to do that shit with the new Shaft movie, and it did not work. Right. That was just like a weird thing altogether, but you just had this young character that came along for the ride, and it's like, we don't need you, old man. Like, Is it the genre? Is this just kind of too old of a genre to connect well, anymore? it's Do we have so much of it in the 70s and 80s that now we're like, ugh. Maybe. I think that there's still a demand for cop. I think there's a there's a there's a demand for action. Well, yes. And I think that I mean action without sub action in it. Like a Marvel film or right. a space thing and it's like, "Oh, it's like this with action." It's like we just we're just not getting those action movies. And one of those in the sub action is cop movies, cop stories, buddy cop movies. And again, that's a formula that's still working. We're not making buddy cop movies we've just returned it into buddy movies i mean lovebirds is well it's now ultimately delayed until whenever paramount decides to release it right but what are they doing there they're taking the buddy cop and they're making a comedy with it and it's just trying to be this thing that i'm just like i see what it is and people will go because they know that it's familiar but i know deep down that there are still people that want this type of film that they were kind of promised and ultimately didn't get right you know, and I and I, I don't even think it needs to be a mix of the two. Comedy's already having a hard enough time, and audiences want it. They're getting it on streaming services and television shows and in some movies, and when it sucks, it's okay that you can just turn it off. That In the theater, it's not translating. And, and I think that the same thing kind of goes for, for these types of movies where it's like, sometimes a good action movie should not fail. It should just work. And and this one, yeah, that I was the weird part in a theater. Is while we were watching it, we both kept saying, "I should like this." It has all the actors I like. It has a good mix of comedic people and a good mix of action people. It it has a compelling enough story and mystery. All the beats are here. At times, it gets very R rated and gruesome when they're nailing cats on doors and. Blowing people through the head and machete wielding like terrors. Like I was like, yeah, that's that's pretty cool too. And and for a movie that keeps training Winston Duke to do MMA and boxing, dude doesn't get to do a lot of boxing in the last couple fights. No, he's just there to like slug shot knock people out. And and like that's the other thing. He's in MMA, and like Mark Wahlberg is like teaching him how to like fight. And and like it. It doesn't really work because we've already seen him in the ring where he's beating the shit out of this guy. It's like, yeah, he needs work. You got to teach him how to how to block. And I'm like, okay, this is like, it just it all feels like a Rocky motion, like like we've seen in those films. And that's how you're gonna get your buddy cop thing across. Spencer gets out of jail, and now he he has this reluctant roommate in Hawk who just wants to go work out all day and and be the best LeBron James fighter. None of these characters really have any motivation for doing much. Like, Alan Arkin's character, it's it's not like his gym's about to go under. It's not like he wants what's best for Mark Wahlberg. He's not trying to get him out of Arizona. He's not trying to hold him back. Like, the whole, I guess, A story is Mark Wahlberg trying to get this trucking license to leave. He took he took the warning seriously. Yeah. He's going to get out of Boston, and he has to pass a trucking licensing exam because this is the only job he could possibly do in Arizona, and it's keeping him tethered in Boston, a town that seems that he cares very much about and does not want to leave. Yet at every turn, when the character is supposed to be working towards something, he is back at the DMV or the driving range, taking classes on how to drive a truck, 
test driving trucks, talking about Arizona, and it doesn't matter because at the same time he's like, I gotta help this guy. They, they, they set the wrong guy up. It's not right. And for every character that should be antagonistic towards him, his girlfriend doesn't want him to do it. She calls him Batman. Alan Arkin doesn't want him involved. Winston Duke only gets involved because somebody killed a cat. All of these are characters <laughs> that should be positioning themselves to stop him. Yeah. Every time he's like, let's go stop the bad guys, all of them should be like, go away, get out. And instead, they're they're all like teaming up with him like they are the Bat family and going off on an adventure. They... All he's of these, a convict. Yeah. He's a convict that's been in jail for five years. I don't know anyone that's like, yo, let's listen to the convict. They here. all reluctantly take the call to action, but then don't try to stop him, even though they all don't want him to do it. It's There's no real defining reason why any of this matters to anybody, except for Mark Wahlberg just being like, I'm a good guy, and I want to help these guys out, which is fine, if you want to set him up to be like the last good cop in Boston and now he's going to become this like Rorschach character and they're all awful and bad, or it's just going to be a slapstick good time and a comedy of errors while he's trying to like take the, that's a good comedic setup. I'm going to take the warning seriously, but like everything I do, I end up in this case. Like, oh, my trucking lessons had the, the guy that was the Corvette. He was taking the test with me. He's my study buddy. And Wahlberg is so confused with like what he should be conveying in each scene that it's just like, he's just doing the, like, I just want to be helpful in every scene. And so it's like, what you're driving four different stories. Do you even want to leave? No, you don't No, wait, you do. I don't care anymore. There's no, like, fight coming up for Winston Duke to be in. He just wants to be the best. There's no ad- there's no adversary Even for him. Even poster with them with guns crouched behind a car. I'm like, when did that happen in the movie where Winston Duke was mowing people down with a shotgun? Did I miss that? Was I don't I not- think that happened. I mean, I could be wrong. I mean, the movie did lose me. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I, I don't know that I gave this a complete fair shake. I'm not sure that I give most bad Netflix movies a fair shake. I paused this thing and thought, we've only got like 15 minutes left. Incorrect. We were at the 50-minute mark, and the film is over two hours. Just over. But still, it was this long slog where we were just going in circles. And I was like, how even even his ex-wife, who keeps coming around, she tries to meet him at prison, she shows up at this bar, she keeps coming around just to tell him, I don't want anything to do with you anymore. I don't want to see you, which I'm just like, that's a lot of effort for someone and that doesn't want to see him ever scene, again. And then in the next scene, she like runs into him at a bar. And fucks him. And fucks him in the bathroom. Yep. And then she's like, I hope you enjoy that because it's never going to happen again. And then the most, the grossest part of the movie is when he goes, she's trying to leave and he stops her and he says, hey, hey, you've got a stain on your dress. And she looks at him and goes, it's a little keepsake. And she leaves. And I yeah. was like, is this the attempt at humor? That's that's disgusting. And again, still shot and directed as if it's a serious beat. Like, yeah. even he gets like chased by this dog, and it's shot as if he's like a, in like the gray. And the dog is the dog is like literally tearing his back ligament off at, at how much it's thrashing, latched onto this back leg. And then of course, like he's just up and fine because he's Mark Wahlberg and. There's really no impactful stakes on this character that's going to, like, slow him down. Like, things are going to happen. We're going to throw these things in his way. But it, it is not going to deter, slow him down, or or really falter him in any way. He's, you know, 
he's a man doing too much in the script he's he's an overreaching main character that just continues to overreach until the credits roll well, and then, then this is the last thing we'll talk about because I don't know that there's much else to talk about this except for set up except end. for maybe Buster Rhymes just being okay. Buster Rhymes evil. shows up and you go, <laughs> Buster Rhymes is the villain, and then they don't introduce you to anyone else that could possibly be the villain. So guess what? Buster Rhymes is the villain. Spoiler alert: you'll know it when you see it. I'm not even upset about just throwing that yeah. one out there. And then they're like celebrating having lobster. Another attempt at humor, where they've done the big like civil war. Here's the location rad in big letters across the whole screen. Boston, Southie. And then another thing that just goes away, like everything else in this movie. And then Lobster with an H. Yeah, yeah. And I yeah. was like, is that a restaurant in Boston? Is this a famous place? Or And Winston Duke's character, who's just a child and will only eat hot dogs, is eating is eating hot dogs and ketchup and mustard while everyone's eating these giant fancy lobsters. And it's just like... And yeah, then, yeah, you did your homework. It should be funny. It's just, it's not doing anything. And then on the news, they see a firefighter get put away for arson. <laughs> and he's screaming and, into the camera, you gotta help me! You gotta help me! I didn't do and, this to no one! And again, all three of these characters who do not want Mark Wahlberg to be a vigilante are going, no, no, uh, Alan no. Arkin turns around and is like, excuse me, could you shut the television off? There's a baseball game on. The Bruins are playing. The, Blue, the Bruins are playing. And Mark Wahlberg's like, I know Just that guy. Just hockey. I, I went to grade school with that guy. I, I got. He's a good guy. I got to do something. I'm like, so, oh my God. So they set up for him to become this like Batman villain finding these people who I guess in the five years he was gone, like crooked cops and crooked firefighters. Oh, it's become rampant, rampant because he was not around. It's Which, now all they do. Fine. I will accept that premise. Fine. But instead of just having it be like finding like a document or something, like Wonderland could have been a whole like string of crimes and he could have been like, well, we got to do something about Wonderland. It's not over yet. And instead, he just, like, sees a guy on TV, and as if he's Spider-Man, and has a sixth sense, is like, he's innocent. He went to high school with me. Which means he's not even doing detective work. He's just going off on random hunches. He probably went to high school with Buster Rhymes. They're the same age. You're absolutely right. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Oh, my God. I, I have something I'd like to, to end on. Sure. Let's say. I don't know where we are at with time. I don't care. Any questions. That's exactly how I felt while watching this movie. It's how you'll feel when you watch this movie. Uh, I can I can kind of already start to hear someone listening to the show that might have liked it. You know what? If you liked it, that's fine. Eat your own. But I can hear that person being like, well, you know, Peter Berg is just trying to have fun here. Okay. Of course, this movie wasn't going to be Patriot Day or or. Uh, the Deepwater Horizon. And to that I say, Peter Berg directed the fucking rundown, okay? And that is an action comedy. That is balls-to-the-walls action. That is hilarious, full of great characters, cool camera tricks and shots, and great performances from people like The Rock. Peter Berg, you can't do this anymore. I, I think unless you really want to go back to your roots and that's where you want to be... You've you've grown, you've matured. Keep keep going up. Don't go down this this Netflix alley of easy money with low payoffs and post Malone cameos. Don't do that. We get nothing in the end. Yeah, nothing. No. It was a very whatever movie, and the critics agree. It's sixty one on Rotten Tomatoes and forty from the critics. So it's at a sixty one. From... That's too high. <laughs> That's too high. I have to. I'm gonna fact check that while you're wrapping. It I up. believe it is, but you Ru can check. The rundown got a sixty eight, and that's pretty low. We 
but it's action comedy skit run in the mud. This was this was under a forty. This had to be. Well, that's it, guys. Uh, stay safe out there. Self isolate as much as you can. Don't do anything crazy. Uh, and we'll be with you each and every week. I got forty three. I see forty three. Has it gone now. up? I, well, yeah. There are fifty four reviews now, and that's the other thing. Is it critic? These... What's critics and audience? Um, I'm opening. Oh, the audience have deemed it fresh at 60, so I'm in the minority and not liking it. But the critics all say at a 43, while the buddy cop senders at the cen- uh, at the center of Soup Spencer Confidential are plenty affable, comedy never arrives at this half-hearted vehicle, goes purely through the motions. That's I would exactly agree with how that. how I feel. That's exactly how I feel. Very astute. Uh, that's our show. We'll be here each week, like we talked about before, with fun retro reviews and history things until all of this resolves itself. Until then, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash group slash Hollywood Already Did It, on Twitter at Hollywood ADI, on Instagram at Hollywood Already Did It. I'm at, as always, Blake, and Zane is at Zigu's Elderly. And stay safe and sane, friends. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face or this movie. Yes. <laughs>